Blog Talk Radio. And welcome to this installment of the 24-7 Sports AFC North Podcast. My name is Brian Giardo. Joshua Edwards of 24-7 Sports will also be joining us shortly to discuss the week that was for the AFC North in week two while looking ahead to each AFC North team's matchups in week three. And uh, right now in the AFC North, we've, we've got quite a, a division already between the two top teams and the two uh, lesser teams, Steelers and Ravens, off to a 2-0 start and uh, looking to go to 3-0 in their respective matchups this weekend. Baltimore is in London to take on the Jaguars. That game will be starting bright and early Sunday morning at 9.30. The Steelers will take on the Bears in Chicago at 1 o'clock at Soldier Field. Pittsburgh has one career victory in Chicago back in 1995. The Cleveland Browns taking on the Colts 1 o'clock at Lucas Oil Stadium in Indianapolis. The Browns favored for the first time since 2014 in a game. And the Bengals, 0-2, trying to avoid an 0-3 start. I, I, I would say they have the hardest matchup of the weekend. They take on the Green Bay Packers at Lambeau Field at 425. So that's kind of the rundown uh, right now. As I said, we're waiting for Josh Edwards to further break down some of the games. And actually, he's going to be joining us right now as I say that. Josh, how's how's your uh, your day going, sir? You know, a typical Friday, just uh, trying to get to the weekend and, and week three of the NFL. That's right, and thank you again for listening out there at whatever time you listen to this podcast as we break down uh, week two in the AFC North and also look ahead to week three. Now, Josh extensively covers the Browns, and I do the same with the Steelers. We keep our eyes on uh, you know, pretty much everything that's going on in the AFC North with the Ravens and the Bengals and pretty much everybody. And uh, we were 3-1 and one last week. The one game that we didn't expect, that we didn't pick accurately, was the Bengals game. Uh, they faltered offensively. And, uh, Josh, I mean, without really analyzing it too much, uh, I, it looks like they're staring 0-3 in the face, partner. It looks like they're, uh, you know, they, I think the first team since the 39 Eagles to start your first two games at home and not score a touchdown. So first time in 80 years, they're setting records that you don't want to set. They fired their offensive coordinator. Uh, you know, Marvin Lewis has pretty much already said if they lose this game, pretty much every position battle and job is on the line. So, I mean, I, this is a must win. I mean, I, I, I know that you hear that all the time, the NFL. Uh, I think sometimes this early in the season, uh, that's probably premature, in my opinion, I don't know if it is at this point. I, I think it's I – I, I don't know if it's a must-win per se, but they have to – because Green Bay, I mean, no one expects them to win this game, but they have to show um, more than what they showed the previous two weeks. They have to make this a close game. Uh, again, I don't really believe uh, Josh and moral victories. I, I know at the NFL level they don't, but uh, I think this is maybe a little bit different of a case where – uh, I think that you know going into this game, the Bengals just have to show their fans and show themselves and show their coaching staff that they're a lot better than what they've already shown in weeks one and two. Uh, do you agree with that, or do you think that no, there's there's no gray here. This is this is a must win for the Bengals. Yeah, how about how about having that task staring you in the face this week? You know, <laughs> needing to get your first win of the season going on the road at Lambeau Field against Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. Um, who are admittedly trying to get out of their own swamp right now. So, um, right. you know, it's going to be a tough, tough game for the, Pack- or for the Bengals this weekend. I think 
they really need to at least put forth a good showing just to kind of appease this fan base. Um, you know, the Bengals, Bengals fans are kind of fickle. They don't, they don't give teams long to kind of change direction. So uh, with each passing week, it's, it's going to be worse and worse um, in terms of attendance at the next home game. But uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't look for them to get their first victory of the week this their first victory of the season this week against the Packers. Um, they're they're the last team in the NFL right now that has not scored a touchdown after the 49ers finally scored one early in the Thursday night game last night against the Rams. So uh, it's it's definitely a daunting task ahead of them this week. Oh, you said it, and you know you're like you said you're facing a Packers team that's that's looking to you know, get off the schneid as they have a loss already on their resume. I mean, there's only, I don't say only, but there's 10 undefeated teams left. So when you, when you look at that, it looks like there's already uh, a line that's being drawn between, you know, and there's, and quite frankly, there's a lot of zero win teams that aren't looking good and aren't scoring points. And the Bengals are obviously in that category. I think what makes the task more daunting for Cincinnati, and that's the thing that I don't know, again, if it's necessarily a must win, because if you fall to 0-3, I mean, most teams don't get out of that. I mean, in, in my recollection with the Steelers, I think only once in my lifetime, well, in the last 20 years, they started 0-3. They finished 9-7 and and just missed the playoffs. So you, you can get out of that funk and end up having a winning season. And they have the defense. I mean, Dunlap is great. Geno Atkins is great. I mean, the Bengals, I think, are top five in the NFL in yards allowed. So, you know, the defense is, is doing it. Um, but this offense just isn't showing it. I will say this. If they lose this game and the offense uh, looks the way it's looked, um, and geez, did you think, Josh, we'd start this podcast talking Bengals? I didn't. <laughs> and that's, but that's the thing. You know, you don't script it, and this is where we are. And then we'll get to the other teams just after this. But, you know, I would end it with this, talking about the Bengals. And uh, I would say if they lose this game and the offense looks the way it's looked, you, you got to go with McCarron uh, from here on out or at least give him a look in week four. I mean, at that point, you're 0-3. Um, I don't want to say what else do you have to lose. I think 0-4, I think if you lose this game, the next one's 100% a must-win. You can't you can't start 0-4. But uh, I think if they continue to look this bad, you've got to go McCarron's way. And, and you know, I think, you know, and I, and I, you know, I'm an Ohio native. I know you are too. And, and, you know, this week I heard, you know, quite a few questions from, from friends and people like, well, is Dalton really the problem? I don't know necessarily if he is the problem. Uh, all the entire problem, he certainly is a large part of it, but, you know, you, you know this too, Josh, is that, you know, with NFL quarterbacks or just when you're going through a losing st- you know, slump, sometimes you just need a fresh face in the huddle. You need a new uh, leader. You need a new voice. And I think that, you know, that just might be what they need if they fall to 0-3. Would you agree with that? Or, or, or you know, if they lose, this is this is when. if you got to just move on from Dalton at least temporarily or – do you stick with them no matter what? I mean, do you just ride them out and just, you know, this isn't the last straw for him if they lose this game? I think at the point where the Bengals are now, um, you know, they're they're kind of staring a rebuild in the face. They're, you know, if, yeah. if the season continues to go the way it is right now, then they're going to be in a position where they have to, you know, make some big decisions next offseason. They've got an aging defense right now. Um, Geno Atkins is still one of the premier defensive tackles in the game. I think that was pretty obvious in, uh, you know, week two against the Texans. But, yeah, this team, you know, definitely needs a bit of a jolt 
to that offense right now, and I think you kind of have to see what A.J. McCarron has um, simply because, you know, next year is a strong draft class for the quarterbacks. Um, and if, if Cincinnati does not have one, then, you know, maybe they're in play for a quarterback all of a sudden, something that, you know, we wouldn't have been talking about this, this past offseason because it, it seemed like such a far-fetched idea to believe that uh, the Bengals not only needed a quarterback, but they could be in a position to draft one. And I think if the season right. continues to go the way it is, they are certainly going to be in that position. And, you know, you talk about must-win games in the NFL. Well, you know, you have to get your wins when you can because in the NFL there's no certain thing. You know, you could you could certainly falter – on any given Sunday against a team that's more than capable of being in the NFL. So, uh, you know, you, you got to make the most of your chances. And although they have a, a big task ahead of them this week, it's certainly, um, you know, one that they, that they're going to have to put their best foot forward if they're going to have a chance to win. But yeah, I think you definitely have to have to make a change to AJ McCarron just to see what he has and just to kind of know, which direction to take your franchise, you know, before the end of the year, because Andy Dalton's not getting any younger either. Um, they owe him a lot of money, which they can get out of after this year. So mm-hmm. there are a lot of questions that they need to answer right now before they, you know, to, to really determine the direction of their franchise. They're going to have to make a big decision with Marvin Lewis as well. So uh, just a lot of uncertainty surrounding the Bengals right now. Yeah, and, and that kind of segues well, Josh, into the next team. We'll talk we'll talk some Steelers football now. That works with you. And you said that, and, hey, any given Sunday things can happen. Well, that's kind of what the Steelers have stacked up against them uh, this Sunday against, hey, another 0-2 team, the Bears. Uh, they were close against the Falcons, kind of got blown out a little bit against the Buccaneers uh, in Week 2. Uh, and the Steelers, though, are 1-11 lifetime in Chicago. And I remember that, that one win. 10 years old in 95. I did not know at that time that was I was watching the Steelers' first ever win. And it took overtime for the Steelers to win that game. Uh, and they're out to going to the Super Bowl and losing to Dallas that year. But uh, you, you look at uh, this matchup. I mean, this is the classic trap game. And if there's one thing that's kind of been a knock on, on Mike Tomlin and his, his 11 seasons in Pittsburgh now, um, it's been that, you know, they have dropped some games to teams that aren't very good. Uh, case in point, the Buccaneers three years ago, when Mike Glennon, who's going to be facing the Steelers uh, on Sunday, he actually led the Buccaneers to a victory in Pittsburgh in 2014. I want to say it was week four, and Pittsburgh dropped the 500. And the Steelers had the lead most of the game. They scored late, and then Glennon uh, ran the Buccaneers down the field and, and threw the game-winning touchdown pass. Essentially, I believe his time expired. So this is a guy that has a quick release. Um, they do have a good running game. They've got a nice, you know, rookie running back in Cohen, who um, the Steelers' defensive coordinator Keith Butler said uh, last, you know, on Thursday night that, uh, you know, the issue with the Bears' running attack, they haven't really been able to show it off because they've been behind in all their games so far, and the fact that, uh, you know, against the Buccaneers, they were down by so many points they had to start throwing the ball around. So, you know, he said that it, you know, stopping the run's got to be key. Uh, but do you see another? trap game for the Steelers, Josh? Do you see the, the, you know, the Steelers uh, dropping this one? Because in all honesty, it, it does seem like uh, you know, the Steelers in their first two games, while they won, you know, they lead the league in penalties. I mean, it's way early in the season, but they're on pace to shatter the NFL's you know, record for most penalties by a team in a season. Um, you know, the offense hasn't been really, really crisp. Well, the defense has been good, uh, but they haven't faced, you know, they faced Kaiser as a rookie, so 
you know, and I thought he did pretty well. Uh, and then in week two, you know, they, they faced a backup in Case Keenum. So they haven't really faced uh, – I mean, I would say Glennon would be the most easily the most prepared quarterback the Steelers have faced at this point, maybe the best just because Kaiser's still young. Uh, so, you know, do, are you buying in that this could be uh, a loss for the Steelers, or do you think they're just they're just too strong uh, for the Chicago Bears? Yeah, I just I don't think the Bears are a good football team. Um, you know, not to mince any words, I just don't think they are. Uh, you know, obviously you've got Mike Glennon who's a little farther along in his career, and you know, possibly that gives them a little bit of a um, you know advantage over some of these teams that the Steelers have already played this season. but uh, And he does have a little bit of a recent history with the Steelers, as you mentioned, but I just don't think this team from top to bottom is good enough to compete with the Steelers. I mean, yeah, Tariq Cohen's a, a very promising running back for the Bears, and he had a great week one. But, you know, week two, the team combined for just 20 rushing yards. So uh, if, if you combine for 20 rushing yards and Mike Glennon ends up passing 45 times, you're that's not a recipe for success. So. Uh, to get blown out by Tampa Bay, who I think is a better team than uh, – well, I shouldn't say they're a better team than most people give them credit for because they have kind of been a trendy pick this year with, uh, you know, the Tennessee Titans being another one as, as possible playoff contenders. But, um, you know, I don't think Chicago is a great team. So I right. don't see it being a trap game. I think Pittsburgh ultimately is able to overcome them. I think, you know, Pittsburgh just has too many off weapons on offense. I think – you finally have Bud Dupree, you know, back and playing well. You had T.J. Watt, who's uh, started off his rookie season very strong. Um, you know, that secondary is still kind of coming together. You've had an injury or two on the defensive line, but compared to that Bears offensive line, I think, you know, they stack up pretty favor- favorably. So uh, I would be surprised if Chicago was able to pull out a victory. But as I mentioned earlier in the NFL, it's, it's one of those things where you just never know on a week to week basis. I mean, at some point we're going to be surprised uh, this season. I I knew, yeah, we missed the Texans Bengals game last week, but I think there was a, at least an ounce of doubt in both of us that, you know, Cincinnati would be able to pull it off after the way they performed in week one. Um, I think this would be a much bigger upset. So, you know, I'm definitely taking the Steelers, but it's the NFL. So, you know, who knows? Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I would probably say the same thing. Um, you know, I, I think with the Steelers, it's, you know, the defense wants to prove each and every week that they are a, a, a very good unit. Um, I think that there's still – and I don't think there really is, but I think there's still some people that want to see, um, you know, uh, their new cornerback, Joe Hayden, do something uh, like a big splash play. I don't know if that's really in his repertoire. I mean, I know he has, you know, five curve picks against Baltimore. He had three last year. But there's still some people that don't think that, that, you know, he's really been that great the first two games. I think he's been serviceable. I think he's been fine. And I think most importantly, he's been better than anybody else the Steelers are going to have out there. I mean, he, especially when Cam Sutton suffered an injury, the rookie, they're expecting to get some things out of him. He's on IR right now. Um, William Gay is, is, you know, at the tail end of his career. You know, he's not really – he's not a starter anymore. Um, you know, Artie Burns is on one side playing a lot better. But he's better than anybody um, – you know, he's better than anybody they were out, they were going to throw out there. And I think – did they overpay for him? You know, probably. Um, and as you said, Josh, I mean, you were, you were pretty um, convinced that, you know, he wasn't even maybe one of the Browns' top two or three cornerbacks before they released him. So, you know, I, I think that – 
you know, he is good, but I think, you know, that's not a bad thing that, that he does hear some of the doubts and that this defense is very motivated. I mean, they're third in the NFL in yards allowed after two games. They've given up exactly 237 in each game, total yards. They're very good against the run. So, you know, I think that this will be another good challenge for them, beating a, you know, a, a, a serviceable quarterback. I mean, they still haven't faced a very good one. And honestly, I think that the, that the regular season schedule really plays out well for the Steelers because, you know, it's almost like every week they get a new challenge uh, and, and, and kind of a chance to not play their best football but still win. You know, they face a rookie quarterback in Cleveland. So that's going to give you some challenges and the fact that it's on the road. But it's still a team that you should beat. The same thing in week two. They face a very good Viking defense, but an offense that's pretty limited. Now in week three, they face a, a Bears team that's going to be desperate, like the Bengals trying to get their third, you know, first win of the year. Uh, pretty good run defense. Steelers haven't run the ball well, so that's a good challenge. And you're facing the most experienced quarterback you're going to face. Uh, and then down the line, they've got Green Bay and they've got New England. They've got the, some of the other heavyweights out there. But I think this, the, the, the way that the schedule plays out for the Steelers, it's, it's very good for them. And speaking of uh, favorable schedules and games, the Browns are favored, Josh, to win for the first time in three years uh, from when they won, I think, seven games in 14. They faced the Colts, another team that's trying to get their first win. So a battle of you know, the no-win teams. Do you see the Browns winning this game? I, and honestly, before we really – before you break down Sunday's game uh, between the Browns and the Colts in Indianapolis, what happened in week two? Didn't see that game, but I saw the rash of turnovers, which obviously played Cleveland. I, I think we both we both picked Cleveland to lose, but I think we both expected them to uh, give the Ravens more of a fight. What happened uh, in week two in Baltimore? Yeah, on, on defense, surprisingly, it was their linebackers who – you know, really dropped the ball last week against the Ravens. Um, you know, whether it was in coverage, covering the tight ends, or, you know, stopping the run, uh, they just didn't do it. And this linebacker group is, you know, supposed to be one of the most talented groups on the field for the Browns. You've got Jamie Collins, who did go down in the game with a, with a concussion and remains in the concussion protocol. But uh, you have Christian Kirksey, and you've got Joe Schobert, a draft pick from last year, who's who's played, you know, really promising football this year. Um, so you wouldn't expect that group to play as miserably as they did, but that's exactly what we saw against the Ravens. I think the Ravens had a good game plan and they were able to exploit it. Now, offensively, they didn't have to do a whole lot because, you know, they were able – Baltimore was able to force five turnovers just as they did against Cincinnati. Um, you know, Deshaun Kaiser did suffer from a migraine in that game, so he did leave at one point and. Uh, there was actually a play that Hugh Jackson kind of, you know, was able to tell that Deshaun just wasn't feeling right. He was, um, you know, supposed to put a, a wide receiver in motion, and he never put the wide receiver in motion. So they ran this play with the wide receiver being out of position, and uh, it resulted in an interception. So uh, he was taken out of the game after that play. It was pretty obvious that something was not right with him mentally, and then uh, he kind of disappeared for a while, let the migraine clear for 45 minutes to an hour, and uh, you know was able to come back in a game. But it was just it was just too far gone at that point. It it felt like there were times where, uh, you know, Cleveland was down by a couple touchdowns at the time, but there were times where it felt like, you know, they had a chance to get back in the game. It didn't really feel like it was out of reach. Um, 
Deshaun Kaiser threw an interception in the end zone, and uh, if they'd converted that into a touchdown, you know, it's a one-touchdown game with about six minutes left, and you never know. But I just felt like it was it was a little different in the way that the Browns have lost in the past. It was, uh, you know, it was embarrassing in a sense, you know, that they were unable to do as little as they were on each side of the ball, but it always felt like they had a chance to win. So, um, you know, for a guy that's trying to progress each week at the quarterback position, it wasn't, wasn't a flattering performance by Deshaun Kaiser, but uh, I definitely think, and the, the team and the coaching staff still feels that he's, you know, going to be the guy that's able to get it done in Cleveland. So, uh, this is a really important week, not only for the Browns, obviously, to get that win and uh, kind of start building some positive momentum, but it's a big week for Deshaun Kaiser to kind of bounce back and, um, you know, to to really be rewarded for his hard work because this is a guy that is willing to come in the, in the you know, in the facility early in the morning. He's willing to stay late. He's, uh, you know, he's eating right. He's going to bed at the right times. He's he's really developed this routine that's that's working for him right now and, uh, you know, his migraine in week two kind of, you know, set him back a little bit. So I think he needs a little positive energy around him this week, and I think that's ultimately what we see. But I, I won't quite get into dissecting that game just yet. I'll, I'll wait wait for you. Right. Well, I was going to ask, I mean, so, so Kaiser's the guy. I mean, is that kind of what – I mean, obviously it's probably it's too early in two games, but, but – the feeling you're getting is that the Browns um, made the right move because it's well documented. Everybody's seen that that viral photo of the guy with the Browns jersey with like every quarterback they've had since '99 that started a game. I mean, do you think just by his demeanor, how he's carrying himself, like that he is the guy the Browns made the right move? Well, I think the biggest issue, and and I'm sure. You know, Steelers fans and AFC North fans recall this too, but there was a time where Notre Dame head coach Brian Kelly was saying that, you know, Kaiser just wasn't mentally ready to compete in the NFL, basically. And, uh, you know, the coaching staff just has not seen that from him since he's arrived. He's, he's been just the perfect rookie. I mean, like I said, he he's developed this routine where he gets up early and he goes to the facility and he, you know, goes – that leaves the facility late and he's got a good diet and all that good stuff that you want to see from a rookie quarterback. And quite frankly, what you would hope to see from a veteran quarterback. So he's, he's done everything that they've asked of him to this point, And it was never a question of his, you know, physical attributes. He's, he's a tall guy. He's a big guy, not quite as big as Ben Roethlisberger, despite, you know, what some uh, wanted to compare him to, but he's a big guy, so he's not easy to take down. He's a, he's got enough mobility to where he can uh, move the pocket if he needs to. He can you know run if the play breaks down. Uh, he's got a big arm. He's got the most downfield targets through the NFL in in two weeks, and he didn't even play a, a full second game. Um, you know, so he's 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 got to work on his accuracy a little bit. It comes with his footwork, but you know those things can kind of come in time he's he's still a a very good quarterback from a a physical perspective and you know mentally he's he's put in the work so I think there's a lot of reasons to be optimistic about him but as you said it's it's just two weeks I mean Tom Brady has done this for you know his entire career however many years that's that's been now Um, so he's got to do this over a sustained period this is not something that you can do for two weeks and 
it be acceptable. This has to become your lifestyle, your um, right. You know, the, your 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 work, your job. You know, this is how you operate on a day to day basis from here on out if you want to be successful in in the NFL. And uh, it's it's at least off to a promising start. I'd I'd say. So yeah, I do think they made the right choice. They really didn't have any other options with uh, Cody Kessler and Kevin Hogan. So that kind of forced their hand. I think they might have wanted to let him sit a little bit, but. He does look like a, a promising guy that's uh, worthy of investing your time in right now. And when you look at, and I think that's so important, and when you look at what's going on with Cleveland and what's going on with Cincinnati, um, I mean, Cincinnati can't say that promptly, that you know we've got our guy behind center. I mean, there's a lot of doubt there. And I think, with the, I think that's the first thing in the NFL. Obviously, you need more things. You need a good offensive line. You need a strong you know, defense that can get after the quarterback. But I think at the end of the day, you know, if you're building an NFL team, the first question is, well, do you have your quarterback? And it seems like the Browns can, can say that, that yes, yet yeah, again, albeit it's early, but he's shown you everything. And Brian Kelly's been wrong about a lot of things. So he's continuing to prove that at South Bend, but I digress there. But, uh, you know, it just, it does seem like they, they do have the, the right guy. Um, Greg Williams, I think, is the right coordinator in place. Um, and I think that, you know, and Isaiah Crowell wants the ball more. I know that that was a big narrative in Cleveland this week. Do you think he'll get the ball more after he pretty much told you, Jackson, you know, I can do more than what you're letting me do? Yeah, it's a matter of just being in position to, you know, that you're winning football games because as you're, you know, leading later in games, your tar- your carries are going to go up. So, uh, you know, Cleveland was in a position where they were down a couple of touchdowns for most of the game against Baltimore, and, uh, you know, that kind of forced their hand to throw. So Isaiah Crowell is definitely a good running back, and he's worthy of getting more carries. And, you know, Hugh Jackson has said that he wants to get him more carries, but it's 11 people working together. And I think they're still wanting to, uh, you know, bring this offensive line together a little bit more to allow them to gel a little bit more before – you know, they fully implement this this entire playbook and allow Isaiah Crowell to do the things that he's capable of doing. So I think they want to make sure that he's set up for success before uh, they let him loose this season. And I think this week against the, the Colts is a good opportunity to do that. I don't think that they have a very strong front seven at all. I think I don't think their defense outside of Malik Hooker at safety is all that good. They've got some uh, you know, guys that have done it in the past at the cornerback position with, you know, Vontae Davis and Darius Butler. But, you know, those two guys are just kind of a shade of their former selves right now. So um, I think there's definitely a lot of opportunity this week. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with asking for the ball more. You want a player that wants the ball more, especially, I mean, Crowell is in a contract year. So he's trying to prove that he's, you know, worthy of a big contract to all these not just the Browns, but all these teams in the league this year so he can get paid in the offseason. But, um, you know, he's a very talented guy, and I think he's going to be used more in the game plan in the coming weeks, not only as a runner but as a as a pass catcher as well because his targets have gone up um, in the past couple of years. So he's too good not to get the ball to, and I think if the Browns finally put themselves in a position to, uh, you know, be competitive or even lead the game this weekend against the Colts, it's – you know, probably time for Isaiah Crowell to get his carries. 
Yeah, and, and hey, the Oilers fans know how good Crowell is. I mean, he he had oof, almost around 200 yards uh, last year, Week 17, and that was against the Steelers' entire starting defense. Uh, they rested some offensive players, but, but the defense was out there. And he yeah, he's a strong player. And you know, they had him and Terrence West at one point. I, I think they were maybe both rookies at the same time in 14. And Crowell for a reason. So it'll be interesting to see uh, if he does tote the rock more. Uh, this Sunday. So, all right, one more game, Josh, and, and thank you again for joining us on the uh, 24-7 Sports uh, AFC North podcast week three. We were both three and one last week, so our last quick breakdown of the Ravens, I don't think either of us like, hey, we're Pittsburgh and Cleveland guys, so, you know, you know the Ravens, eh, we'll talk about them, we don't really love it, but, you know, hey, they're, they got a good matchup, they're in London, they're playing Jacksonville, and we'll break down this game, and we'll just go ahead and start our predictions as well. I actually like the Ravens to lose this game. I think I saw a report somewhere that Flacco's health isn't great. Uh, They're losing Brandon Williams, maybe their best defensive player. It it seems like it's one of those years for the Ravens. Yes, they are winning, and and you got to give them credit for that. Uh, But but Jacksonville's a weird team. Uh, You know, they were somewhat blown out in week one. They come back with a blowout win in week two. So you're you're trying to figure out what they can do. And normally, you you know, you do see, uh, you know, upsets in London. I mean, Pittsburgh was upset there by Minnesota and back in, in 13. And just and, je- and then you saw a weird game with the Bengals. They were in a tie overseas. I think was it last year, the year before. So I think it was last year. So you, you see a lot of weird things when teams play overseas. Again, uh, hey, the Ravens keep winning. They've got 10 turnovers through two games. Uh, you give them a lot of credit. Their defense is, is, is tough as, as always. You know, John Harbaugh is always going to have a good defense. Um, they do have Terrence West now who's done some good things. But in general, um, and, you know, hey, they got to lose at some point. I don't think Baltimore is good enough to go to 3-0. I, I'd pick them to lose. And I think it's going to be another one of those weird games where you might see some weird things. So that's my first prediction and pseudo breakdown of uh, the Ravens-Jacksonville. Who do you like in that game, Josh? I think you touched on, uh, you know, one thing that was kind of, sticking out to me as well is the fact that this game is in London. I mean, that's kind of the ultimate way of leveling the playing field. This, you know, both teams kind of have to account for travel and, uh, you know, it messes up your routine because all of a sudden you're playing, um, you know, different time zones and, you know, it just kind of affects your routine. So I think this is definitely a trap game for Baltimore uh, at the same time, you know, for a defense that's forced 10 turnovers, Playing Blake Bortles is a pretty opportunistic, uh, you know, outlook for, for week three against this Jacksonville team. Um, so I would at least look for them to continue this hot streak that they have with their turnovers. But, uh, you know, this one's kind of a tough one to pick for me. I think prob- I'm kind of – you know what? I'll disagree with you. I'll say Baltimore wins just so we get a little disagreement. I could see it going either way, but – um, I'll stick with Baltimore this week. I think just the combination of running the football and their defense, defensive play this year is, is a pretty good combination. It's obviously what the AFC North has, um, you know, become known for over the past couple of decades. So um, I will say they stick to that recipe and they're able to, to pull it out against the one and one Jacksonville Jaguars, although I think that's a team – it's probably on the rise. They finally got Miles Jack back at the linebacker position, and he's a very talented player. So I'm curious to see how he's, you know, able to perform again this week. But uh, I'll stick with the Ravens just to, just to disagree a little bit. 
Yeah, we we agree on everything last week. So hey, I like it, and the fact that I'm I'm still in this game too. So I like how that's kind of reflective in in our picks here. All right, Cincinnati uh, Green Bay. Uh, I think we both have Cincinnati losing this one. I mean, we've seen some crazy things happen in the NFL, but I don't think Cincinnati coming in and beating a, a Packer team that's hungry to win after losing last week and Aaron Rodgers uh, on the other side. I just I don't see it happening uh, unless the Bengals can get. To turn into the Ravens and, and create some points off some turnovers, help the offense out. but And they might do that, but I still don't think it's enough to win. I, I like uh, Green Bay in this one. I, I see uh, uh, I see the Bengals dropping 0-3. Yeah, I, I'm kind of the same way. I just don't – you know, even if the offense is able to take a step forward this week, I don't think it's going to be enough to overcome Green Bay and Lambeau Field. So I'm taking the Bengal, or taking the Packers as well. All right. Well, let's go to uh, let's go to the Browns and Colts. I, I like I like Cleveland. Um, I know that uh, they are favored, and, and hey, the Colts are hungry for a win. They're at home, so it won't be easy. You know, I, it will not be an easy game for the Browns. But uh, I think that the defense is due uh, for a really good showing. Again, I like Greg Williams. I like what the you know, Browns are doing defensively. Uh, you know, Ben said last week that he think Roethlisberger's. You know, he thinks this is going to be a a really good defense, a team on the rise. I think that Watson shakes off last week's, you know, rough outing with the migraine and whatnot. I like Cleveland uh, in Indianapolis in week three. Yeah, you're kind of stealing my thunder because I'm, I'm also taking the Browns. I think uh, I think Deshaun Kaiser has a bit of a bounce back week this week um, against the Colts defense that I just don't think is that good. I mean, they've got a couple of Browns cast offs that are starting on that defense, so that's that's never a good thing. And, and uh, like you, I'm, I'm a big fan of Greg Williams and what he's been able to do with this defense. Um, they've just been flying to the football through the first two weeks of the year. And, um, you know, we've we've kind of seen the linebacker group do poorly last week, but they're just too good to, to not bounce back this week against the Colts, especially a guy like Christian Kirksey, who's just been, um, you know, the model of consistency for the Browns over the past couple of years being – uh, the number three tackling linebacker last season. So uh, I definitely think that group is, is due to bounce back this week. Um, and ultimately, I think I think the Browns are able to come out with a victory. I just, uh, you know, the Colts don't have Andrew Luck. And, I, you know, there's a chance that the Browns actually get Miles Garrett back this week too. So, uh, you know, we'll see what ultimately comes of it. But I think the Browns have a very good chance to win and will get their first win of the season on Sunday. All right. Well, hey, next week too, you're predi- you're, you get the first dig at these predictions. I've I've, I've had that uh, luxury the f- first two up uh, show, so you get it next week. All right. Let's do the last one. We'll get the Steelers uh, playing the Bears. You know what? I have actually thought about picking the Steelers to lose, but I'm not going to. This is a classic Steelers trap game. I mean, this is you know when people get mad at Tomlin or or, or one day when the book's done on Tomlin. At this moment, it would this would be probably his one bugaboo along with, you know, everybody says, ah, they can't beat the Patriots, even though he's only faced them once in the postseason since he's been there. Uh, but, uh, you know, losing games like this, when, when you think you've got the Steelers figured out, they drop a, an egg like this. Again, every team in the NFL is good, but this is a game where the Steelers normally lose, but I'm not going to say they lose yet. <laughs> I'll go with them in this one. Uh and that uh, completes my predictions for uh, the AFC North podcast week three. What say you, Josh? We've only disagreed on one so far. Do you want to agree with me on this one, or do you like the Steelers doing what they've done in the past, which is lose a game to a team that most people pick them to win? 
Yeah, it's going to continue. I, I kind of revealed this earlier. I think the Steelers definitely win this game. Um, you know, you kind of have to almost overthink it a little bit if you're going to choose the Bears this week. You know, you've, you've obviously got your reasons to consider it, but, you know, if you look at these two teams, and I know games aren't won on paper, but if you look at these two teams and, and the state of their current franchises, it's just, uh, you know, a complete – different outlook on where each of them are right now. So um, I think Pittsburgh is ultimately going to come away with the victory in uh, Soldier Field this weekend and, and improve to 3-0 and and be the, you know, the, the top of the AFC North another week. That's right. Well, hey, yeah, we'll actually start to get some difference a little bit here um, as the Steelers trying to uh, continue to stay undefeated, stay ahead of the Ravens. Browns trying to get their first win. The Bengals trying not to get everybody fired. Once again, it was a pleasure to have you on the show, Josh. And for all you out there listening, enjoy your football. And as always, it's a great day to be a football fan.